What's going on, everybody? Happy Tuesday and welcome in to Bet to Win here in the Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. I'm your host, Joe Fan. I hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend, a tremendous fourth on Monday as you get back to your work week here on Tuesday. Big show for you. You're going to start doing some NFL divisional previews, looking at futures in the NFL, where I find some value and where potentially I might put in a few tickets. Um, I had a wonderful weekend. I got back into town on Sunday. I was gone for the weekend. I was back east. I was in uh, South Carolina at a wedding in uh, Bluffton, one of my best high school buddies. Uh, I was in his wedding. It was an absolute blast. One of the highlights, uh, which is worth mentioning on this here sports show, is I had the pleasure of going to a Savannah Bananas game. And I know you've, if you're a sports fan at this point, even a casual sports fan, I think at this point has seen either a Twitter video, a TikTok, an Instagram story about the Savannah Bananas. And I learned a little bit more about it. I, I had just seen some of that stuff. I didn't really know what to expect. It was an absolute blast. One of the most enjoyable times I've ever had at a baseball game. They, it is, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters meets a circus. It, it's nonstop. I guess I could put it that way. And uh, a couple of us actually were asked to go down for a dance competition on the field. So I had the chance to meet the guy who runs it. This guy's name is Jesse. And he is wearing this full head-to-toe yellow suit, yellow jacket, shirt, pants, shoes, hat. And he is like a, a circus conductor because there is so much happening at all times. Their pregame is an hour and a half long, and they tell you to get there early because it's just stuff's going all the time. And they've got the Mananas. Those are the male cheerleaders. This big dad bod, uh, you know, pregame with a couple Bud Heavies kind of guys. They've got the Banana Nanas, uh, some uh, grandmas who are on a dance team. They've got the baby of the game. Right before first pitch, they bring down a baby, put it in a banana suit. And uh, all the players circle around it at home plate and lift it up uh, Simba style, Lion King style. They've got a base coach who is a breakdancing base coach. And he's not out there every inning, but um, every inning regardless, the second the pitch hits the glove, every single pitch, every inning, something happens. Music starts. PA announcer says something. They do in-between pitch karaoke's with the crowd. But when this guy is out, on the first base, being the first base coach, between every pitch, this guy is dancing. I'm not talking like moving a little bit side to side pitch style. I mean, full on break dancing to the music, whatever. Uh, Miley Cyrus, wrecking ball, second hit pitch to the glove, music starts. He does a swan dive into a somersault, into what? I mean, this guy was unbelievable. So it was a whole lot of fun. And, and this, this they go on tour, so I learned more about it. The game I went to is this college summer league. And so every player in the game was a, a college baseball player, current college baseball player. And so the game itself was nine innings, and it was normal baseball. It wasn't some of the stuff you've seen on Instagram and TikTok. It still had the entertainment experience to it, but it, the baseball game um, without you know had some additional flair. The players, like there was one player who came up to bat with the Pirates of the Caribbean music, and... He got all the players like underneath uh, him, like laid down underneath him. They put like a folding table. He'd say Bill's Mafia style on top of them. And then this guy like kind of knelt on it and they rolled one direction him towards home plate. Uh, and that was how he got to home plate. It was stuff like that to add the flair to it. 
Um, but the game itself was just normal baseball. But as Jesse told us, they go on tour once this season is over. And uh, that's when they, it's called banana ball. And that's when you see the crazy rules, the, the bat that's on fire. Eric Burns is involved. Uh, Jake Peavy got involved last year. Some former major leaguers have gotten involved. And they go on tour in, in different cities, have, have asked them to come and play just like the Harlem Globetrotters would and go on tour. And apparently uh, Las Vegas the, uh, at the Aviator Stadium in downtown Summerlin has tried to get them there. Uh, so if you have a chance, check them out and see if they're coming to a city near you because it's it's worth the price of admission. It was a whole lot of fun and it was worth me uh, spending a couple of minutes to, to tell my experience about it because uh, they put on a dang good show and it is gimmicky and silly, but it, it's also very impressive. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a number of you know marketing folks from from teams around different professional sports leagues looking for ideas. And, you know, he showed us the, the Jesse showed us the rundown and it was a bunch of, it was nonstop. It was so full pages after page after page. It's like all this stuff in green. There's a lot of stuff in green. It's stuff we've never done before in front of a live audience. And they just say, why not? They just throw stuff against the wall. And if it doesn't work, you're already onto the next thing. You can't even like, you don't have even a second to sit there and be like, well, that was weird. Or if anything, it was like, that was weird. And, and they sell it and it works because it's the Savannah bananas. So uh, tons of fun. It was packed house, sold out. 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 people. Um, ton of fun. Uh, before we get into the headlines, I've got not one, but two victory laps to take. That's because last Monday, the Rangers beat the Royals. And then on Saturday, uh, my guy, Nick Day has helped me build a parlay. Uh, that was Turner O'Malley and not Asanya to win. It changed from plus 202 to plus 111 with Sean O'Malley being DQ'd due to an eye poke. In the third round. Uh, so that ends up being a plus 111 winner. The Rangers were minus 138. Uh, so ending June strong, we're going to start July with our first pick here uh, on this July 5th episode at the end of the show. Uh, recapping UFC 276 real quick. Not as good of a card as, or no, sorry, not as, card was wonderful. Uh, the fights themselves didn't live up to the hype compared to UFC 275 that was outrageous. Uh, Adesanya, minus 400, defeats Cannoneer via unanimous decision, retains his belt. Uh, the co-main, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, defeated Max Holloway. He's a minus 195 favorite, also unanimous decision. And again, the Sean O'Malley fight, really a bummer there. Uh, pokes uh, Munoz in the eye during the third round, gets DQ'd. Uh, so again, an underwhelming card. Nothing in terms of big-time fireworks that you walked away and said, man, that's a fight I'll remember forever. But certainly Adesanya continues to be uh, just as uh, dangerous and complete a fighter as you're going to find in the UFC. And I'm hoping he gets a fight against Pereira next, uh, who did have uh, a finish on this card. In the NBA, free agency has begun, and rumors are continuing to fly about which superstars are going where. The one big trade that happened over the weekend, uh, the Jazz's Rudy Gobert traded the T-Wolves for four first-rounders. That means Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns in the same front court. A lot of size, a lot of rim protection. I have no idea how it will work. But it will make the Timberwolves interesting, that's for sure, uh, as they were an interesting team last year and gave the Grizzlies everything they could handle after winning a play-in game uh, to get to the postseason in that play-in tournament. This felt inevitable. I'm surprised it didn't happen last year. It felt like after the bubble season that it was out there that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert weren't good buddies. And the questions have been going for years now of how much longer they could coexist. 
And so the fact that they traded Gobert is no surprise to anybody. Now you look at and say, well, who else are they going to get? Who are they going to pair with Donovan Mitchell to keep him around and keep him as the long-term centerpiece of the Utah Jazz? Do they go out and find a way to get Kevin Durant or Kyrie or potentially DeAndre Ayton? Um, that's what I want to know. So it'll be curious uh, to see what happens in the NBA. It feels like every offseason's biggest story is where Kyrie and KD will end up. And here we are again with both players potentially wanting out of Brooklyn, who things could not have gone worse for the Brooklyn Nets in this era of uh, acquiring KD and Kyrie. Um, the NBA is a soap opera that never ends. Hashtag this league. Uh, let's get into some NFs, uh, NFL divisional previews. I'm going to go one by one as these shows continue. Again, July, probably the most down month in sports. Everyone can go enjoy that nice summer weather, go on vacation with the fam, rest and recharge the batteries before football season begins and training camp start uh, as the calendar turns to August. But I'm going to go through each episode now as we can as we get down this road with different futures and, and divisional previews and, and tickets that I might be placing uh, around the league. And let's start in the division I know best. The is the NFC West, a division I thought for a long time was the best division in football, and it was. It is no longer that way. Certainly with the Seahawks going into rebuild mode and a ton of question marks surrounding the Niners and the Cardinals with the Rams being the defending champs. Let's just go through what the odds are, and then we'll go through uh, where each team made uh, some adjustments during the offseason and ultimately where I see some value. The odds to win the NFC West, the Rams are favored at plus 125. The Niners right behind them at plus 175. Not as big a jump as I would expect. Uh, the Cardinals at plus 325, and the Seahawks at 14-1. to 1. Odds to win the NFC, uh, the Rams at plus 450. The Niners at plus 700. The Cardinals at 15 to 1 and the Seahawks at 75 to 1. Win totals. The Cardinals are at nine. Uh, interesting juice numbers here at minus 130 to the under, which means uh, everyone is on the under. That's juice to minus 130. The over at plus money at plus 115. They won 11 in 2021. The Niners are at uh, 10 with uh, minus 110 on the under. Again, the public and sharps alike leaning under for both those teams. The even or the over is at even money. They won 10 games. Uh, so that number stays the same. They won 10 in 2021. The number is set at 10 in 2022. The Rams are at 10 and a half uh, after winning 12 games in 2021. The over and under are both at minus 105. And the Seahawks at five and a half. The over here, despite all the talk of the Seahawks tanking, at minus 135, juiced way up with the under at even money. They won seven games in 2021. Um, and then the Super Bowl, Rams at 10 to 1, Niners at 18 to 1, Cardinals at 40 to 1, and the Seahawks at 150 to 1. Let's look at each roster and where each team made some adjustments. To me, let's start with the Rams, the defending champs. I think it's more or less status quo. They don't have Odell Beckham, who they might still get back. Uh, they don't have Robert Woods anymore, who they traded away towards ACL last year, but they did go get Allen Robinson. They did get Bobby Wagner and, of course, Vaughn Miller, who's now in Buffalo, as another uh, key loss. But I think when you look at the rest of the NFC, not just in the division, 
But I don't know how many teams you look at and say, well, they got good enough to where they're, they have better odds of winning the, the Super Bowl than the Rams. I think just the fact that they were able to keep in the ballpark of status quo after winning the championship last year. The Bucs are running it back with Brady. They're the odds-on favorite in the NFC, understandably so. The Packers lost Devontae Adams. How will that impact things, given that he has been Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy for so long? The Seahawks no longer have Russell Wilson. The AFC is so much deeper of a conference where you look at so many different teams and say, they could win a championship. I can see that. Those guys have a shot. There's not much of that in the NFC unless you're going to convince yourself again of the Dallas Cowboys, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles as an up-and-coming team that could surprise teams or surprise people just the way the Bengals did in the AFC a year ago. So for my money, the Rams have done enough just by not taking a dip. And in my opinion, the names they've lost, while significant, they are just fine and will be just fine given the consistency they have with the likes of Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and, of course, Sean McVay uh, pulling all the strings. In San Francisco, uh, this is what's surprising to me because there's so much that we don't know about San Francisco, but Vegas is giving them a ton of respect in terms of winning the division at plus 175, only 50 cents behind the Rams, which is shocking to me given that, A, they still have $25 million committed to Jimmy Garoppolo. You expect the Debo-Samuel contract dispute to remain ongoing, or sorry, even though it's still ongoing, to come to a resolution by the, tam- by the time camp rolls around. But to me, it's inexplicable how Jimmy Garoppolo is still on this roster. And maybe they just didn't get a trade that they thought that was going to come. And John Lynch saying, we've got offers on the table for second round picks. I think it's pretty clear that was a smokescreen because they would have been super foolish not to accept that offer the second it came down the line. I'm bullish about the Niners each and every year because I, I believe in Kyle Shanahan. I believe in the pieces they have on offense. Um, and I do want to believe in Trey Lance, but not having seen anything more than one start from him, I can't justify foregoing a Rams divisional future for the Niners just for 50 cents when there's so, there's so much less of a sure thing. Even Super Bowl odds for them. Circling back to this, 18 to 1. Last year I was on them at 25 to 1. So I understand Vegas saying, hey, we're not going to give out value on the Niners. But I think it's, even if you like the Niners, I think it's, it's just not enough there to justify putting those tickets in. I also don't understand how, again, they took a running back in the third round. The Niners each and every year find this running back diamond in the rough out of nowhere. It was Matt Breida, then it was Raheem Mostert. Uh, last year, it was Elijah Mitchell, undrafted free agent, who Trey Sermon, completely irrelevant as a rookie. And now again, in the third year or third round of this year's draft, remind you, they didn't have a first rounder because of the Trey Lance. So right now they've got 25 million invested Jimmy Garoppolo, who should be their backup and three first round picks invested in Trey Lance. 
And their second pick of the draft this year, they had a second round that took Drake Jackson, uh, upside, heavy, uh, pass rusher out of USC. Then they took a running back at LSU, Tyrion Davis-Price. And for all the success they've had with running backs that they've found either late in drafts or undrafted running backs, their, their track record drafting running backs in day one or day two has not been good. Trey Sermon, uh, Joe Williams out of Utah, who they took on day two. You can go down the list. They are obsessed with drafting running backs, which is really curious. Um, so the Niners, they give me too much pause. Wouldn't surprise me if they went either way. In Arizona, the Cardinals have missed DeAndre Hopkins for six games due to a PED suspension. They did add uh, Marquise Brown from Baltimore, trading away a first-round pick on draft weekend. The contract uh, dispute for Kyler Murray continues. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not putting a cent on the Cardinals. Last year I was on, it was my favorite preseason ticket I put in. It was the Cardinals to win the division at 5-1. to one. They were 10-2 and two after week 13. Overwhelming favorites to win the division. But they lost four of their last six games, including one to the Detroit Lions. Let me tell you, during that stretch, the clock hit midnight on Kyler Murray, and he turned into a pumpkin real quick. There's just not a chance I'm going to trust him or Cliff Kingsbury, especially after they lost Chandler Jones during the offseason. And DeAndre Hopkins is missing six games. I'm sorry, I'm not putting enough faith in Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz to carry this offense without Nuke. So passing hard on the Cardinals. Now, do you want to pay the juice and bet the under? Probably not. Given that the win total is nine and the juice is at minus 130 for the under. I don't know if I'm paying 30 cents for that, but I can tell you I'm certainly avoiding betting any over or future uh, for the Cardinals. The Seahawks are an interesting team when you look at what the futures are. Now, of course, they have no chance to win a Super Bowl. They're at 150 to one. Or, you know, or yeah, plus 15,000. The fourth, fourth longest odds in the NFL. But I think you can see that some of the betters are already on the Seahawks to, to get to the over. And again, you look at their over, it's just five and a half games. The over juice up to minus 135. I think everyone looks at this team and says they're going to be bad but they're probably going to be competitive because we, the Seahawks are fully going to embrace Pete Carroll ball in 2022. It's going to be run first with, uh, with Rashad Penny and second round pick Kenneth Walker. It's going to be punting and not going for it on fourth down and trying to control, control uh, field position and time of possession. And maybe you can win some games ugly. They were competitive in every game that Russell Wilson was out with his finger injury last year with Geno Smith. Will it be Geno Smith? Will it be Drew Locke? I think Baker Mayfield is still in the cards for them. Baker, and I think also you look at the juice there, I think those who are betting Seahawks over five and a half wins are betting that with the idea that they could probably get there without Baker Mayfield, but they're certainly getting there with Baker Mayfield. 
I don't know how many games the Seahawks will win, but I do think they are going to be one of the better teams against the spread this season. For the, for the reasons that I mentioned, they've got enough continuity in the organization and enough of an identity and a, and a path of what they want to look like as a team and enough intriguing young players and stars and talented guys on, on, both, on both sides. Certainly with Baker, you hammer the over. It, it'll, it, would, it would move up. It would move up from five and a half to either six or six and a half. But I'd get those who put in the over ticket and said, I'll take my chances. If you look at their week one line, you look at the respect they're getting from Vegas, they're only four and a half point dogs against the Broncos. The Broncos at 18 to one to win the Super Bowl compared to the Seahawks at 150 to one. This is A, like the Super Bowl for the Seahawks with Russell Wilson coming back to town in week one, immediately playing his first game for the Broncos at Lumen Field going to the opposing locker room for the first time. But you look conversely, like the Bears in week one are at home at plus six and a half against the Niners, who also have 18 to one odds to win the Super Bowl. And the Bears have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Seahawks, 100 to one. So I think you're seeing in some of these lines, there is respect for the Seahawks not to, to win a ton of games or be a playoff team or have any chance of making a run of the Super Bowl but to be a competent football team who will sort of be just that pain in the ass for anyone who has them on the schedule. That's what I expect them to be. And it's what they were last year without Russell Wilson when he was on the shelf. So if I am making a bet, I am considering laying the juice, or maybe if I can, if I can go up and get six wins at plus money, I consider the Seahawks over win total. And I think whatever you can bet on the Rams has value. The fact that you can get 10 and a half wins when they won 12 a year ago, and it's at minus 105, less than the normal minus 110, save five cents there for every dollar. Love that. Take them at plus 125 to win the division. Because again, you're not betting on the Seahawks at 14 to one. You're not betting on the Cardinals at all. And to me, it's not worth the 50 cents to bet on the Niners when the Rams are, to me, way more of a safe pick. And I think the Rams at plus 450 to win the NFC has value in a really down conference. It's way less of a crapshoot than the AFC that could go any different direction. And we'll certainly get that. I'm going to go through all the NFC divisions before I get to the AFC because I think there's a lot more intrigue uh, there in terms of who the power players might be and who could potentially be uh, the surprise in that conference. But that's my thoughts on the NFC, the NFC West. We'll continue through the NFC on Thursday's show. Uh, let's get to a promo winning pick and get out of here. Uh, WinBet's ultimate fantasy football experience uh, continues. All WinBet users can bet $500 or more on sports or casino and be entered into a prize drawing to have their fantasy football draft at Encore Beach Club right here in the Win Las Vegas with up to 11 of your friends. Bring your entire 12-team tw- uh, league to Vegas Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. Again, that's $500 or more on sports or casino to be entered into that prize drawing. Let's get to winning pick. Finish June up plus two units despite a five and four record. That's because we hit a number of plus money plays. We start a new month today, and I just, I just want to see the ball go in the hoop. I just want to see the ball go in the hoop. And I've got the Mets first five minus a half a run at the Cincinnati Reds. That's at minus. 120. 
This one's pretty simple. Don't have to overthink it. It's Max Scherzer versus Nick Lodolo for the Reds, both coming back from the IL. Only one is Nick Lodolo, and the other is one of the best pitchers of all time. Nick Lodolo, 5-5-2 ERA, and hasn't pitched since April. I am more than fine betting on Max Scherzer and betting on the Mets, who have beat up on bad teams all season long. And if they lose, you say, okay, I'll move on to the next one. Mets, first five, minus a half a run at the Reds. That's at minus 120. No need to overthink. Let's see the ball go in the hoop and start July with a win. That's going to do it here for us on the show. Hope you again, you had a great 4th of July and a wonderful holiday weekend. We will see you Thursday right here on Bet to Win.